Hey, everybody. I think it's so funny that every study that we read when it comes to successful entrepreneurs balance two things. There's always this concept of like our belief that we can truly change the world with massive imposter syndrome. And so it's the balance of those two things. Uh, that's why one of the reasons why I'm super excited to have David Nagel on. Also, if you know him, uh, you would also be super excited to be able to interview him for an hour. Somebody that I have followed a ton, whose name comes up through everybody I know, really focused on mindset shift. So how do we get through that imposter syndrome? How do we get into those things? How do we create the right thought process to create the firm of our dreams? What we're talking about today is three mindset shifts to double your revenue. So David's the founder of the multi-million dollar global consulting company, Life Is Now Inc., and host of the Business Daily News Ranked podcast, The Successful Mind. David's quest is to teach people to think successfully so they can experience personal freedom. Being in the coaching and mentorship industry for more than 20 years, David has worked alongside other well-known mentors like Bob Proctor and Tony Robbins. And his, his clients include many well-known people, including New York Times number one best-selling author, Jen C Cicero? Sincero. Sincero. I was like, you know, I know how to pronounce your name, yeah. but I didn't, I haven't come across that one. So uh, David has helped tens of thousands of students from across the globe. And I think I know a, at least a thousand of them. Uh, and is one of the architects of the personal growth industry through David's coaching and podcast, thousands of entrepreneurs Experts and self-employed professionals have gained the confidence and found the right mindset needed to increase their revenue, turn their endeavors into seven and eight-figure ventures. Forever an avid student, David's core vision is to bring expanded awareness and higher consciousness to as many people as possible and to find greater ways of helping leaders. You know what? It fell off there. In helping leaders, you know? And helping I, leaders. That sounds good to me. Let's <laughs> help no, some but, people. But honestly, like I will tell you the amount of times that your name comes up and obviously always in a positive way, it is That's so, good. it is so amazing to me how many lawyers or lawyer coaches or other people in the industry utilize your services, swear by them, see the impact of them. And I'm so thankful that you're here to share a little bit of that wisdom in the uh, three mindset shifts to double your revenue to our listeners and watchers here. Oh, my pleasure. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. Our, let me talk about our last guest for five or 10 seconds, then we'll jump in to this one. Uh, last, most recently, we had Michael Chastain on. Michael wrote a book, Legalese, same dad joke spelling as us. So of course, we had to interview him. Talked about storytelling in the digital age. So from the standpoint of like a trial for modern day jurors, also from the standpoint of marketing. So interesting uh, discussion that we had there. So if you're interested in that, go check it out. But for right now, we've got David here live. So David, when we're talking about the mindset shift, before we get into what the three are, I'm curious to get sort of that definition of mindset that we're working with here. So that, 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 is, a, that is a really good question. I wish I actually had a definition that I think encompasses everything. Let me, let me say this about yeah. as far as the definition goes. We have this amazing mind that... Um, is capable more than people. People would be would be dumbfounded if they really understood how capable we are of, of what our mind can actually do. But we're not given an owner's manual to it. And I know that that sounds a little cliche, right? But the truth is, is that the biggest problem that we have is nobody has ever taught us how to think productively or in the creative way that our mind is actually established because our intellect, everything about our intellect is creative. And because people don't understand that, 
um, they get stuck in the idea of what they were told about the world that they live in, and that becomes their reality. So my my whole thing was, and here's this is the this is the like the God's truth. I was a high school dropout that was doing every possible thing the wrong way and had an experience where my income tripled in 30 days when it was not, I mean, I had no reason for it to, for that to actually happen. And I became so intrigued with what happened. I wanted to understand what did I do to cause this, right? So I studied for a long time with a lot of people. And as I began to put the pieces together, one of the things that fascinated about me the most was how fast it could happen. It went, everything that happened for me in that month went against everything that I was ever told about success, about money, about making a lot of money, um, about what you have to do to prepare. And because I was so intrigued with that, I thought, you know, I'm a little shocked that other people don't know this. And I really was. I mean, I was actually angry to some, to some degree because I was thinking to myself, why is it that so many people suffer? when there's no need for it if they actually understood how to think. Now that would, I, if we went down that road, it would take us far away from what we want to accomplish today. But the truth of the matter is, is that once you actually understand how to use your mind, and it's not difficult to understand how to use it, it's difficult to change it. That's the difficult part. Um, then everything in your life begins to shift dramatically and instantly. It doesn't have to take a long time to be able to do it. And money is one of the easiest things to create in our life that there is. Like it's astoundingly easy to make a lot of money. Hey, just like sell a kidney. No, kidding. <laughs> no but it's it's funny. So like I I China. <laughs> what? I said if you're in China, you could sell oh. a kidney. <laughs> no, but it's like it's funny to me. I know I, I know I have a lot of beliefs that are liberating to some people and terrifying to others. But like the more that you are the cause of your own problems the easier it is to change yourself versus changing anybody else. You know, as right. hard as it is to change yourself, it's easier than for others. And so really then you put yourself in your own driver's seat towards changing whatever that future looks like. Right, exactly. And most everything that's set up in your life is actually against you changing as a person. It's not for you changing as a person. That we're raised in a way where it's kind of like you need to this is the way you need to be as an individual or you'll be rejected by society. And I think today we see that more than we ever have in history on a societal level. The rejection of nonconformity um, to different ideologies or whatever. So um, it, it, it's not supporting the positive change that a person would need to make in order to have the experience that I'm talking about. So when you say like the cards being the, the deck being stacked against you to change, we're not even talking about that from like a natural human beings want to be lazy standpoint. We're talking about that truly from a the maintaining the status quo pressurization of it. That's right. That's exactly correct. So how do we blow through this? I mean, what's what's our first mindset shift so that we can double our revenue? So so here's something that's really interesting. The m many people who who are business owners and they want success of some kind, at some point or another, we're introduced to Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. And in the beginning of the book, he talks about, he says, there's a secret in the book. He said, but I'm not going to tell you what the secret is. He said, because it really is very, it's very important that you find this 
on your own. And I remember when I first read the book, I was so mad when he said that because I'm like, I just want to know what to do. Give me that spoon and feed it to me. Exactly. Exactly. But, but the very, I think it's the very first chapter after the introduction in the book is desire. And this is where, like, this is the very first step. The question is, what do you want? And it might, excuse me, it might seem like a simple question, but the fact is we're actually raised with the idea that we can't have what we want. So we have, our life is completely prepared for us to live a life based on survival and not getting what we want and conformity so that the people that are in control of what it is that we want will keep us in their good graces so that we can actually survive that the biggest step for us is to is to step into the full ownership of the idea of what do we actually want. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, they um like we always get hammered on that kind of being selfish, but then from a lawyer standpoint with their five times the natural uh, average of suicide and whatever three times of depression, like, uh, guess what? You can't show up well for anybody else if you can't show up well for yourself. So like there has to be a component of this. Right, exactly, right? So the it, it, it really fundamentally, it's everything because you are either creating a life and a business based on what you want or what somebody else told you that you want. There's no, there's no middle ground there. Like it's, it's one or the other. Uh, my mentor's mentor said something. I never met the man, but I kind of learned uh, a lot about him by proxy. This guy said something that was one of the most unbelievable truths that I ever heard. And he said, he basically said this, the amount of success that you have in your life is the, is equivalent to the ability for you to accept truth about yourself without running away. And the idea is that there's there's deep truths inside of us that if we would learn to accept what they are and bring them to the surface, then we could break through all of this nonsense that we have. And here's, here's some solid evidence against this. All you have to do is, and, and it's kind of crazy because people just don't pay attention enough to actually see it. If you look at nature, there's nothing in nature that struggles to live. Nature doesn't question what it is. It doesn't question its purpose. It doesn't struggle to live unless human beings get involved with it and start messing around. But if it's on its own, nature does just an amazing job on its own. And it continues to push life forward in an extraordinary way. It knows exactly what it's supposed to do without being told. Well, it's like it always cracks me up when when they uncover that, you know, cats or dogs or other pets are the first time they've seen that animal exhibit anxiety and depression. And it's like, well, because they were around humans like that's That's right. That's exact. That's exactly correct. So think about it like think about it from this perspective. Human beings have this amazing intellect, right? We, We consider ourselves the highest form of life on the planet that we're aware of. And yet we're the most confused form of life. Why? Why would that be? Why would it be that we would have such an amazing uh, uh, intellect and yet we're so damn confused about who we are, what we are, what we're doing, you know, how do we, how do we create what it is that we want? And my take on it, it, because that was a huge question for me for a long time, not just for me, but for watching other people, because when I was a kid, I was very struck by the idea of watching people suffer around the world. So I was born in 66. 
And as a child, I was watching major change take place in the United States and, and around the world, you know, through television and, um, and that type of stuff. And then what we were being taught in school, but I was also getting a religious education on the side, right? So I was raised Catholic. So we had to do the catechism and all those classes and everything. And I'm being taught that God um, uh, is a loving God and, and created everybody out of love and, and all of this. And this has nothing to do with whether a person believes in God or not. But this is the education that I'm getting. And I'm questioning why, okay, if we come from a loving God, why is everything, why are so many people suffering? Why, why are the, you know, I mean, what were there, four uh, people assassinated in the 60s, like prominent individuals? Like, why is it that, that we're going through this? And I asked those questions. I would ask those questions of teachers, of priests, of nuns, people that were, that were there to try to guide my life, and nobody could answer the questions. Nobody could give me an actual real answer to those questions. So it was something that was kind of like in my back pocket my whole, my whole childhood. It was, why is this happening? What is this? So as I, as I began to get older and, and I was literally studying to try to find out how I changed, one of the things that I came across that was interesting was why would there, why would every other form of life on the planet know exactly what it's supposed to do, but human beings don't? Is it that we don't have that inside of us, uh, this internal guidance, or is it that we don't know what it is? And I come to find out that it's that we don't know what it is. It's the actual way desire shows up in our life, which is different than wishing and wanting, but true desire is there and it guides you in your life for what it is that that anything that you could possibly want. But then what are we taught? We can't have what we want. So we ignore the desire and then we stay in confusion. That's so fascinating. So the, I guess, so let me do the, the million dollar question. Sure. How do we figure out what we want? Okay, so it's simple and difficult. Here's how it's simple. Oh, phenomenal, you, great lawyer if you answer. Just, if, so this is a great question. Thank you. Look at your life. Everybody look at your, just your life, not anybody else, not your spouse, your kids, your friends, your business partners, none of that, just you. And ask yourself a, a very honest question, radical honesty. What is it that you currently know that you want in your life that you're denying yourself? I have never met a person that is not getting, that is in the situation where they're, they're not getting what they truly want that is not denying themselves something that they already know. The key to opening that desire up inside of yourself is giving yourself permission to actually want it to begin with. Almost everybody I've ever met was raised in a, a family where they told you, you can't have everything that you want. You shouldn't want more than you need, that type of an idea, right? And when you're raised that way, it becomes, you get to the point where, as a child, you start shutting down your desire to want things because you get disciplined or corrected for wanting it. You get made wrong. You get made fun of. Some people are teased. Some people are punished, you know, as kids. And we learn really quick, okay, I can't, I can't want those things. But you show me a kid before that mind transfer takes place. You show me a kid that doesn't want everything. Right. That's they want, they want to touch, they want to eat, they want to experience, they want to play. They they want, 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 want. And the idea would be that you show them how to discipline their want in a way 
where it it's it um uh it's a productive thing in their life and not something that's full of chaos obviously but that's what youth is youth is exploratory and we learn as we get older how to take it and make it not so chaotic but actually productive but not completely shut it off where it's not okay which we do with our imagination and we do with human desire we say it's not okay to do this so the question is, what do you currently want in your life that you're not allowing yourself to have? And what I mean by not allowing is that either you just say, I can't have it, or I'm not ready, or you make excuses or whatever. You're actually denying that desire. If you open that door all of a sudden and you allow yourself to do it and you keep doing that, you'll find out exactly what you want in life. So what happens... Uh, so law, law firm owner hat on for a second. What happens when there's like that week to week, month to month conflict between that? Like you've got that law firm owner who desires to have the largest personal injury firm in the country one week and then looks up the next week and desires to only work 25 hours a week. And then the next week goes back like, and you get that, you know, oscillation of desires. Well, the problem is, is that they can have the two. They can have both of those things. Those are not necessarily in conflict. I am not an advocate for the only way to be successful is to work yourself to death. I believe in diligent work, right? Absolutely. Um, but I also believe that you can create a business where it works for the amount of hours that you want to work and you can still have like the size of the business or the productivity or the, the financial income from it at the same time. But here's where, here's where the discrepancy shows up. It looks as if those two things aren't working together. But the question would be, what are they not doing right now that would actually lead to the creation of the business that way? And it usually comes down to, they don't think that they can afford to hire the people that they need to build the business out the way that they want. And that's, abs they got it totally backwards. And okay, I want, I want to dive into that deeper, but I want to, I guess I, I misspoke from the standpoint of there being a specific difference or, or going back and forth on wanting something or not wanting it. I'm still not, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not understanding what you're asking me. Could you, sure. could you reword it? Sure. So like, you know, you have that, you ask yourself, what, what do I currently want that I am denying myself? Okay. So if you, whatever, whatever comes out from there, I'm currently denying myself the belief that I can have the largest firm in the world. And then you come back, you know, the next month you do this exercise again, you realize you don't want that anymore. And then you come back the next month and then you do like, if there is that specific dis disagreement between it or, or change well, in what you do want. So I think, all right. So I think that's even too far ahead. Okay. I think the person needs to look at their life today. What are they not allowing themselves to have today where they made a different decision? They could have it today. Having the largest law firm may take several years to get there. Right. So that's well enough in it, in and of itself. But the problem is, is that there's things that the person desires in their life today that they're actually telling themselves no about, that if they would make a different decision, they could have them today. The whole idea is not the thing. It's the permission itself. Can I explain that a little bit where that comes yeah, from? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So when we're 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 an interesting creature human beings right we're the uh, as as being human we need the longest amount of time to have parents and guidance in our youth versus every other every I, other animal verbatim right? i told my child that uh like yesterday or two days ago i was explaining to him the uh 
Yeah. 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 So when we're kids, um, mom and dad are in authority over us. And we're in a situation where we have to literally give up our own authority to them in order to get our needs met for a good many years. The consequence of not doing that is death. That's a real thing. If mom and dad do not meet our needs, we die, right? In, in a certain time frame of our, of our childhood, we would literally die, especially as infants, we would literally die. So our subconscious mind has to adapt to the world that we're born into. And there's a hierarchy shift. And the hierarchy shift is that we literally give up our own authenticity in order to adapt to the patterns that are required by mom and dad to get those needs met, right? So they tell us how to behave. They tell us what we can like, what we cannot like. And they, they really project their world into our mind. And for the first couple of years, it's not that bad. But as a child begins to develop more and more, if you start to want to express yourself in a way that makes your parents feel uncomfortable, they'll close that gap really quick, right? You're not going to embarrass me. This is the way that you behave, this type of thing. So we learn very fast that we have to become what somebody else wants in order for us to survive, because survival is at the, at the crux of this. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Kids need discipline. They need direction, right? So you're going to have some of that. The problem is, is that as that child gets older, if the parents are actually not teaching that children their own interdependence, along with their ability to make decisions, correct for errors and consequence, um, the idea of expressing who they really are from an authentic perspective and building confidence in that direction, they actually move into their childhood with the subconscious still believing that the parents in the, the authority role and adults have not actually made a shift in their mind where they go, I'm the authority of my own life. And they make decisions from that perspective, not worrying about what other people think. And that's actually the big red flag. When you come across people, when you're working with attorneys or anybody if, if there is issues with them making decisions based on what other people think, there's an authority conflict in their mind, right? I cannot tell you how many really solid business people were stuck in the amount of money that they were making, and they just needed somebody to give them permission that it was okay to make a lot more money. And they came to that realization, like they would say to me, David, it's really weird. Ever since you said, hey, you could become a millionaire, I feel like something is broken free where it's okay for me to actually do that. And it's like, yeah, because you see me as an authority figure, so I've given you permission. But the key is for them to take back their own authority in their mind and so that the subconscious mind doesn't stop them because it'll stop you every time, every single time. So that's where that comes from. It's interesting. So I always... um you know, so my kid's four and a half. So we've looked in the kindergartens and talked about the school and all that stuff. And it's funny because like exactly what you're talking about is my concern with so many of the schooling things. You know, how do you get the school to instill the right sense of structure without crushing the individuality or, you know, training the kid for a world that doesn't exist outside of school um, along the lines of what you're talking about, you know, uh, submitting to that authority that doesn't have the same control over your life. Yeah. And, and one of the things is, is, look, it's difficult. You have to look at the values of the school and the idea of 
There's a difference between discipline and making the child wrong, right? You don't want to make a child wrong for what they want. You want to show them based on cause and effect why they want to choose one thing over another. And it makes a total difference in the mindset of the kid because the whole idea is to get that child to be able to make their own decisions. So there's also there's also this thing that I really believe in, which is as young as possible, start letting that child make age-appropriate decisions for themselves without you heavily influencing it so that they can make changes based on consequence on their own accord. They begin to understand, you know, they build that, they build that pathway in their mind, cause, effect, consequence. I like that this is the consequence I want or it's the one that I don't want. What do I need to change and do it again? And nowhere in there is that you're a bad kid because you made a mistake, which well, is what most people teach. And to be fair, we're talking about this from the standpoint of children, but I can see so many new law firm owners or new business owners needing to learn the same, they're needing to learn their same ability to make that impact on their own lives, as opposed to having, you know, been at a job for so long and before that in school and before that, you know, with the parents taking that role. That's exactly correct. That's exactly so, I feel like money is going to come up uh, at some point, but I did want to go back. You mentioned that thing about, you know, they feel like they can't hire the people to get the business set up the way they want, but they obviously that's the wrong view. Um, can we go into that or is that going to be one of the next mindset shifts we're going to talk about? No, we could totally go into it. I mean, okay. it's like it all kind of flows. It all kind of flows together. The, um, the problem is that the way that we're raised uh, is from children to adults the in within the education system even if you go to to schools of higher higher learning like if you go to you know ivy league colleges it's still it's still basically the same thing you're taught how to live in a world where you're basically working for someone else and you're not learning from a young age how to actually create the the resources that you desire when you don't have them so we believe that we have to have the resource before we make the decision to do something. Like I have to have the money in order to be able to hire this person. And that seems to make total sense, but actually it's completely backwards because money is a symptom. It's not a cause, right? Money is an effect. If we don't have enough money for something, that's, the, that's an effect. That's the result of, another, of a different problem. So if I want to hire someone, and, it's gonna, and I know that it's going to cost me more money to hire them. The whole idea is that I will not make more money until I create the need for it to begin with. And the idea is to make the decision to hire the person first. When you make the decision to hire the person first, the way for you to make that money will begin to show up in your life. That's how the entire universe works. Life couldn't exist without that principle. Well, and it's so funny to me, you know, you get like the, the vision board, right. Or the, the prey on it or the, you know, what, whatever you want to call it. And there's so many people that look at this as this like rah, rah, want to be hippie standpoint, but instead you are like, we're talking about this from the standpoint of, but by forcing your vision to focus on that, there's a million other decisions that you will make. There's a million other opportunities you will realize by having that focus. You know, it's not just willing this into existence it's like putting it in your brain to see the steps to get there right yeah absolutely and the here's this is a part this might seem airy fairy but this is actually hard science a matter of fact uh neil degrassi tyson was actually talking about this on rogan uh two days ago i think it was 
everything that you that's possibly, an interesting combination of people that it I is love it really is they always other. have an interesting conversation but one of the things that he was pointing out was that everything that you could possibly want is already here it's already here when you get an image or or a desire inside of yourself to want something it's already here on some level and the decision is what puts you in the path to to manifest that resource or whatever the thing is in your life the idea that it needs to be here before we should do something to want it is completely ridiculous. The idea is that if we understand the process of how we, how it is that we want to manifest something in our life through the idea of decision comes first, opportunity comes second. And then it's another decision and another opportunity because the decision puts you on the path to create the opportunity that you need to make these changes, right? That's the that's actually the thing that happened to me when I was younger that changed everything for me. For two years, I was completely stuck. I was on food stamps. My car was repossessed. We went bankrupt, had to leave our house in the middle of the night. And again, I was a high school dropout and I could not get out of my own way. And I changed something in the way that I was thinking about what I was doing, kind of just on a loop, but I changed it. And in 30 days, my income tripled. And I was like, wait a second, how did that happen? That can't possibly happen. But the truth was, was the opportunity for me to do it was there the whole time, but I couldn't see it because I was not focused on what it was that I want. I was focused on trying to solve a problem that wasn't the problem to begin with, and which is what most people do. Most people say, I can't hire these amazing people to help me expand my business because I don't have the money. They think the money is the problem. The money is not the problem. The decision is the problem. What was the change that you made to have that jump? So what happened was I had a really bad day. I was getting disciplined all the time because I wasn't doing good work. That day when I showed up to work, I was exhausted. I was tired. I'd been working about six and a half days a week. Um, before I punched into work that day, I got disciplined twice. Like it was really bad. I was on the verge of getting fired. And that day I happened to be doing two people's jobs. So it was, it was a, a total disaster. And I was in the wrong mindset and terrible attitude and the whole thing. So I'm doing the, I'm trying to just keep up with the work that I was doing, driving this forklift. My job was to load trucks. So as the, and I worked for a, um, a food distributor, as they would pallet the food, I had to take it off of this rack and put it into the truck with the forklift. And I had like 20 trucks to load and it's different things coming down at the same time. Really, it should be like three people doing this job, but I was the only one there that day and stuff's falling over and it's backing up and it's causing the whole warehouse to shut down. It was a nightmare. And I was in the back of this truck. And I was trying to put the put this pallet into where it needed to go for the load and the whole thing fell over. And that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And I just started crying. I was just a mess. And I, I said to myself, God, show me what to do. Please just show me what to do. I'll do anything, but I can't take this anymore. And a voice in my head as clear as day said, David, change your attitude. That was the only thing that it said. And I stopped and I stopped crying and I got my composure and I started thinking about could, is there something to, I mean, it was so significant, this voice in my head, like I couldn't ignore it. Right. And what I did was, uh, long story short, I was looking at the guy who created the company that I worked for. And I, and that I knew that he started this company in his garage and he became the largest food distributor importer. I'm sorry. Um, in the country. And I thought, what's the difference between him and me? I'm, he has a garage. He has a garage. Yeah. Seriously. That's like, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, but I didn't really know what an attitude was. Nobody ever really taught me that. And I was like, if I was looking at an attitude, what's the difference? And I thought, this guy must have loved what he did. He must have done a really good job. And I and he, there was something that stood out 
that really perplexed me. I was raised with this idea that successful people were jerks, basically, and that they would screw you and like all this kind of working man nonsense about the way successful people were. And this guy, every time he would come into the warehouse, uh, because he was always doing these CEO tours in the in the warehouse to show people how they automated everything. It was all cutting edge at the time. He would never walk past an employee without acknowledging them. And I was like, that's, I wasn't taught that that was real. You know, it seemed to me like he really did have respect for, for all the employees. That, that really went against what I was raised to believe about successful people. So that stuck in my mind. So I changed three things. I acted like I loved what I did. I did every job to the best of my ability. And I started treating everybody with, with total respect. Now, it didn't have much of an impact on the work that I was doing for the company that I was with. But the impact that it had was it allowed me to see the world differently. And because, because it changed my perception of how I was seeing my world, I saw an opportunity that was around me for two years that I never saw as an opportunity before. Now, it was a little more complicated than that. The story is a little more, there's a lot more details, but that's, that's the gist of it. And because I was able to recognize an opportunity, it gave me the ability to make a completely different decision, which caused my income to triple in uh, in 30 days. And then, but the thing was, was that I went to work for another company. I was driving a hazardous material fuel truck, which is one of the reasons why I was making a lot more money. But in seven years, I went from a truck driver in that company into upper management and was in charge of expanding the company across the country without spending one more day on my education in school. It was all mindset and applying what I knew to the job that I had. And making decisions from a completely different place. Yeah, it's crazy. The uh, it's it's funny you talk about having the the issue from a religious standpoint of you know this God versus the terrible things that happen, and then in that moment you you throw yourself back to the higher power. But right, it was uh, you got your answer. Yeah, I had nothing left. I had nowhere else to turn. I had been asking for help. I was asking people that were around me, "What do you think I should do?" Nobody had any answers. I was asking the wrong people, which was, was the problem. Right, people that had you know, not much more education than I had in life. And they're working class folks, right? They did not know how to get out of this situation. So their answer was work all the overtime that you can work as hard as you can be as loyal to the company as, as you can. And it wasn't getting me anywhere. Yeah. I, uh, I was like, I hate the con like, I like, I love rich dad, poor dad. I hate the concept that it's the rich dad versus the poor dad, but like that poor dad mindset is most people. I mean, like it that's is. what we were taught work, work more, make more, as opposed to being able to you know, work different, make more or work exactly. smarter, make more or whatever you want to put in there. Yeah, it's all about survival at that level. And when you can see the contrast between the two things, you now become aware that you have the ability to make a different decision. See, most people don't even think that they have the choice. You know, think about it for a second. If I know, if I want to build that, that, that firm where I'm working 25 hours a week and it's an amazing firm and I got somebody else running in a great team, right? And, uh, but I'm stuck on the place of, I don't have the money to hire that person. I don't think I have a choice. I don't, because it's like a catch 22. I need more people to make more money, but I can't afford more people. Well, how do companies get past that, right? One of the ways is that they make a decision and create the need for more money. Would you, whatever you create a need for, it will show up in your life. And people need to think about that because I didn't believe it when the first time I heard it either. You would not be here if that was not true. Think about how many times things went wrong and then exactly what you needed showed up at the right time in order to get you through some kind of a problem in your life, including finances. It happens all the time. So are the businesses, I, I, I can't give the businesses, I can't believe the businesses are like, hey, we're going to overextend ourselves the exact right amount. So what is the, is how, how does that come about? Is it there are so many other decisions that get made knowing that there's that, you know, financial no. issue is it the, the situations you're open to like what's the so so think back to what i told you about what happened to me on the forklift 
Because I changed what was going on in my mind, I could see something that I couldn't see before. If I don't make a decision that says, I absolutely need the money to pay for this employee, I'm not looking for the money. What am I looking at? I'm looking at why I can't do it. The money is there, right? But you have to make a psychological change in your mind because basically we tell our mind what to look for based on the decisions that we make, which is based on the perception of how we view the problem. So when, and the other thing is this, we're almost all raised with this idea of uh, don't do more than you need. So when we make a decision that increases our need, we have another value that we were raised with that kicks in and supports it. And that's responsibility. Almost all of us were raised with some sense of being responsible, right? And when you're raised with that, in other words, if I make this commitment to do something more, I've got a sense of responsibility to being able to fulfill that. I am going to focus even more on finding the amount of money that I need to do it. And I've been doing this for 24 years now with people in every kind of business you can imagine. And I've never been, it's never been wrong once. The only thing is a person has to be committed to the decision. That's it. Because the way for them to make more money is actually in their life now. They just can't see it. And that's the damnedest thing about it. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the Vikings burning the boats. Like you, it is. you overextend yourself, but you're like, eh, if it doesn't work out, I'll cut this person in three months instead of like right. really getting behind your... It's a real decision. It's not a whim or a fancy, right? It's not like you're doing this casually, you know, uh, and it, it doesn't, you know, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. We're talking about business people who have a sense of direction, have a sense of responsibility. They've already stepped up and, and disciplined them things in their life to, to a certain degree. I would not go into a group of people that had no discipline and tell them that story because they would get themselves into trouble. They would think it's magic and it's not magic, right? It's psychological structure of how we actually see our world and how things show up. It just happens to be, it's something that most people have never heard of before. Oh, but I, I, please correct me if I'm wrong, or I might have to Google this or anybody else. But I'm pretty sure like at one point, the CEO of FedEx at the very early days, like went to Vegas and put it all on black one time to make payroll or something. I've heard stories like that. Yes. And, I don't know if they're true. I don't know. But yeah. I've heard I don't stories know. like that. Um, and, and I, obviously that's not what you're advocating here, but it's just, it's funny no. to have that, uh, you know, the, the, the craziest explanation of it that proves the underlying rule for everybody else. Just, it's, it's fascinating. The, uh, the, you know, what Jurassic Park, life finds a way, right? Like the universe finds a way for life so many finds things. A way. That's exactly correct. Life could not exist without that principle being true. So from the standpoint of working with like a ton of law firm owners, what, what's the next most common mindset that you see them struggling with that we need to change? They're not good enough. They're not good enough. Subconsciously, they have a core wound that says I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy. So it's like water meets their own, their own level type of a situation. And they, they're actually making decisions from that place subconsciously. They just don't realize it. Every So, and here's all they have to do. Like, here's a, here's a way to find out if I'm telling you the truth or not. Ask yourself how many excuses you make about the things that you're tolerating in your life. Make a list of five things that you're tolerating. And, th and let's just talk about your business right now. Make a list of five things that you're tolerating in your business that you know need to change, but you keep making excuses on why you're not changing it. Those excuses come from you not th you thinking you're not good enough to be able to do it. If you really look at every one of those excuses, it, it's, I'm not enough. That's where it's coming from. What about when it's like, you know, like, you know, you have to fire somebody, but you don't, you feel badly doing it. Like what, how did like twist, twist that for me back into what you're talking about? Well, I mean, I think that, so the idea of feeling bad about it is to actually think that we're doing something wrong to somebody else. And generally we're not, you know, there's an old saying, if it's not in relationships and, and business is a relationship, if it's not working for one person, it's not working for another one, but one is only usually mature enough to recognize that it's not working and do something about it, right? It's not a fun thing to fire anybody, but it's a new start for both people. 
right? If it's not working, then it's not working. Let's let that person go find something that they're, gen they're genius at or really good at or they love. And we need to find somebody to fill a position because as a business owner, we deserve to hire the best of the best to fill those positions. I love that. And I love the way that you phrase it. Because like, look, here's my thing. The best advice applies to your business, applies to raising your kids, applies to your spouse, applies to your friends. Like that one is directly on point for that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we've got uh, about 10 minutes left. What else do you want to make sure we cover in our last 10 minutes? So I think, so let's just kind of, let's kind of go over this. The, the first thing is you have to start to admit to yourself what you really want in life. When I first, when I, after I, I did this whole thing on the forklift, um, I, I don't know if I read somewhere or, or I saw something, somebody said, write down a hundred goals that you want for yourself. Cause I was looking to try to find a way to move forward. I could only think of three things that I wanted. And I actually felt weird. Like how, you know, why don't I want a hundred things? Like is something wrong with me? What I found out was because I was denying what I wanted my whole life, because that's what I was taught. I didn't let myself want anything more. And it was basically just the necessities. Like I would really like to buy a house for my family, that type of thing. How dare um, you, David? How dare you be that? I know. I was so family. selfish. I really was. But as I began to do that, as I began to allow myself to want something more opened up, like true desire began to actually open up. Because, you know, when you start to think about things that you don't have, that are kind of, uh, outside of your comfort zone, you start to think to yourself, can I really do that? Can, you know, can I really have that? Is that, is that going to be okay? And another thing that we recognize is that there's absolutely no way for us to become really successful without other people noticing it. And we all know what our background of origin is going to respond to. If you become 10 times as wealthy as you are now, you got the car, the house, the business, that the whole, the whole deal, they're going to notice it. How are they going to react to it? I mean, I think that's a question we have to ask. And most people, like I'll, I'll do this exercise in a live event. I'll say, here's what I want you to do. You go home, get all your friends and family over, big dinner party. In the middle, middle of the dinner party, you stand up, tap on a glass and go, I have an announcement. I've decided to become unbelievably wealthy. And you'll hear the whole audience crack up because they know what the response will be like from the people that are around them. So this first piece of, of really owning exactly what it is that you want, it's the first step to everything else. Because if you can't acknowledge that inside of yourself, hiring the people, starting the firm, you know, expanding it, doing all the things that you need to do, you won't because you can't even acknowledge what it is that you want right now where you are. Maybe that's a new pair of shoes. Maybe that's a car. Maybe that's a nicer house or a nicer sofa or something. You have got to acknowledge what you want. You have to take action on it there because that'll open up the door for everything else. And just making more money. And just to be clear, like you're not saying that everybody has to desire to be unbelievably wealthy. You're just saying no. that, that that's the... That's the easiest large scale goal that we can all rationalize a thousand other things, you know, next to or behind. Yeah, everybody can relate to that. And we all have, we all, I think most everybody, unless you were raised with super aware parents that were also entrepreneurial and they taught that to you as a child, you have, you have value conflicts around money and success in your mind. I mean, society is littered with those conflicts right? It's good on one side and then they're evil bastards on the other side. Like it's so, it's, it's so crazy just on the amount of conflict that people have around that. So it's like, I want that, but I don't want everybody to see me as like this greedy capitalist pig, you know, because I actually want more. Well, that, if you don't think that affects how much money you're making, you're fooling yourself. It's interesting. And, and like, it's always interesting to me to come back to where, like how we rationalize being okay with these things for ourselves. Like what's like, oh, I'm just going to be miserable for the next 30 years as a lawyer, but like my parents who are now dead or whatever, or, or will die in that time frame. but they'll be happy that I, you know, was a lawyer the whole time that I toughed it out that like, I don't know. I just, I can't, 
I can't wrap my head around the rationalization behind so much. It's of not rational. That's the problem. It's not rational. Yeah. You can't make sense out of crazy. This has nothing to do with logic. It has to do with the way your subconscious mind was programmed for pattern recognition. And it keeps repeating it until you change it subconsciously. It is absolutely not logical in any, in any form. Well, there we go. There, that's yeah. Here's a, remember this saying, you can't make sense out of crazy, right? So the subconscious mind can't think it can't reject. It can only accept. It's only designed for two things. One is to keep you alive and the other one is for you to procreate. The whole idea behind the subconscious is to move the gene pool forward. So it's it doesn't care about how happy you are or the quality of your relationships or your son or your business. It doesn't care about any of that. It takes all this information that was programmed in from the moment of conception, by the way, and it repeats it based on whether or not it's actually meeting those two requirements, keeping you alive and moving you towards the age of procreation. And that's it. So if you've got a conflict around money, around relationships, around sex, around expressing yourself in the way that you want, it will always lean towards what is safer for that individual. It will never go beyond that. Our desire takes us beyond that, but we still have to work out the subconscious contradiction in order to turn it into a permanent habit and have the success that we want be actually easy. What's, how long does this take to change this view? So there's, there's, there's two answers to that. One is that you can consciously override it in the, in the, in the present and actually get another result quickly, like I did in 30 days. To change it permanently, it takes constant upkeep of it because you cannot unremember something, right? So these things that are, that are patterns in your subconscious mind, they can go a bit dormant, right? You can work so that you develop new habits, but there's always, a, there's always a chance that something could trigger them to pop up. And there, I've got a story that I tell people. When I was a kid, we lived in Phoenix for about three years. And my grandmother had this had two friends, Tom and Pat Ryan. And Tom was an alcoholic that got clean and sober and was basically on the wagon for 20 years. Didn't touch a drink, wasn't tempted. Great, he, he was a fantastic real estate agent, like one of the best in the state. Great guy. He's at work one day, gets a phone call that his daughter was killed in a car accident. So he's, he's headed home and in a, in a, in a time of emotional um, turmoil, he stops at the bar to have a beer. After 20 years of being sober, in a week, he was a falling down drunk again. In a week's time, after practicing sobriety for 20 years and really succeeding, our mind doesn't forget what the old saying that from Emerson, like whatever we pay give energy to is the thing that's going to grow is very true. So we can change it. It can become easier over time. We can develop new habits that make it easier, but we have to stay vigilant at that door, right? And we have to keep out what we don't want to, to replicate in our life. Well, that's a unfortunate story, but that shares a very true point about all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Great thing about Tom was that he got back on the wagon relatively quick. He had, he had good friends and support, but see, in just in that moment of despair, his, his wasn't thinking rationally, you know? And it's like any one of us, if we didn't have a drinking problem, if we stopped to have a beer, even if we were not in a good mindset, that'd be fine. Like we had, we stopped and had a beer, but for him, it, it completely opened the door to the old pattern instantaneously. It was just like, bam, right there. It's, it was almost as if he had never quit drinking. Crazy. All right. So I want to make sure we get, um, final level wisdom, biggest takeaway before that though, I want to talk about next week's episode. Um, next week, so 12, eight, a week from today, 7 PM Eastern time. So that's 4 PM West coast time. We've got Jim James hacking of uh, maximum lawyer fame on, he'll be talking about being your maximum lawyer. So for those of you that follow uh, Jim and Tyson in the podcast over there, always wonderful insight from Jim. That'll be next week. 
But um, David, there, dude, I have so many notes on this. And even, and it's funny, how many notes I have, even though we were talking more theoretical than actionable, but still like yeah. so many great, you know, nuggets of wisdom and quotes from this. Uh, but I want more. I guess that's the, the short answer. So for anybody who's listened for like 55 minutes and remembers nothing that's been said, except what you say now, what would be your most important takeaway, the biggest nugget of wisdom to help as many law firm owners be the exhibit A of a successful attorney? So admit something that you want right now in this moment, make a decision to go and do it immediately. Go do it, buy it, get it, whatever it is. Do that first, because now you open the door. You started a pattern heading down the right road. Everything will begin to show up after that. If this is really about saying yes to yourself, we were born to be a success and success is actually easy. We've been taught that it's hard and we've been given uh, terrible terrible owner's manual for the way to use our mind when it comes to the success that we want. I love it. All right. And so for anybody listening and watching who is smart enough to want to hear more of David's wonderful insight and potentially get some mindset coaching, what is the best way for them to connect with you? The Successful Mind Podcast. All right. The Successful Mind Podcast. And if you want to sample David was David's wisdom longer, next week, we've got the Law Firm Growth Summit. Both David and I will be speaking uh, at it and it's totally free. So lawfirmgrowsummit.com slash legalese for me and lawfirmgrowsummit.com slash David Nagel. I don't know. Life is now. Probably. Probably, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll drop some links in here for anybody who's uh, who's watching it live. We hope to okay. see there's like 700 people uh, signed up for it. So that should be a lot of fun. Cool. Thank you so much, David. You bet. My pleasure. An honor to be here. Thank you so much. And thank you to everybody who watched and listened. We'll see you next week for the Law Firm Growth Summit. And then uh, Thursday at 12, 8, 7 p.m. Eastern for Jim Hacking on Being Your Maximum Lawyer. With that, have a wonderful week, everybody. See you at the next episode.